Hey everybody, Jamie Uretsky on the lighter side of baseball, and tonight I have a good friend, a guy that I got to meet a little bit through old Davey Nelson when uh, Jason Grimsley was on the Cleveland Indians, so he spent 22 years in professional baseball, I might have missed a year or two, 16 in the bigs, and I mean, dude, you hung around, what is the deal, how are you doing, Jason? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, I was I was just okay enough to stay there, and I was not good enough that everybody wanted to keep me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, that's pretty impressive to to uh, log the number of years. Now, I don't want to dwell on the length of time you were in there because you you had some good years. You had some, you know, two World Series rings, and so uh, I'm I'm just amazed when I was going back over it at. Uh, how long you hung in there, man. I mean, that's, that's commendable. Well, I was just uneducated redneck from East Texas. It's all I knew how to do. So I better, I better hang on to it. <laughs> well, now what I know that you've been, uh, uh, coaching your son. I know that you've got some businesses going on and I know that you're getting through the COVID-19, uh, that the country's going through. How's life in general? Life's good. Life's real good. Um, yep. My, my oldest son, or actually not my oldest son, but my, my middle son just finished playing college ball and uh, got, to, got to see him play for quite a while. That was, that was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, my, other, my, oldest, my oldest boy is graduating this year from uh, University of Houston. That's great. My old girl's a sophomore at Ole Miss. Um, my wife actually got tired of being around me all the time, went back to work. <laughs> so you know, when, when we were together in uh... – in Milwaukee a couple of years ago, she was, she was talking about going back to work and uh, your son that was uh, kind enough to spend that weekend in Milwaukee, you know, I think his baseball career had taken him to the uh, finals in uh, whatever co collegiate bracket he was in. Yeah, it was a Juco World Series yep, in, uh, in Colorado, in uh, Grand Junction. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun to go see and watch. That is awesome. You know, part of the show, uh, part of it's about Nelly. I mean, I used to talk to Dave all the time about baseball, and now he's gone, and I figured, well, I could call it a view from above or something like that, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure that would have caught on much. And then uh, uh, I call it the lighter side of baseball, and my kids say that it's more the grumpy side of baseball. Now there's no side, there's no side of baseball. There's zero baseball going on. But we have been pumping out the podcast, and one of the things I like to explore is how you get, how you, you know, you were a professional. You went to the level that very, very, very few are lucky enough to do. And how'd you get the bug? Uh, where'd you get it from? Uh, my dad. My dad was my first coach when I was seven. You're supposed to be, I think it was nine, to be able to play. And uh, sort of fudged on my birth certificate so I could start playing early. And he, he coached us. And uh, you know, dad. Dad was a good athlete. Played. He played uh, played football in high school, basketball, and baseball, and then uh, then he went in the Navy, and um, you know he's a Navy man. He did a couple tours in the Pacific on USS Midway. And uh, funny thing about 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 me playing baseball, I'd have never played baseball, Nelly. Um, Nelly, I want to call you Nelly. Sorry about that, Jamie. If I hadn't, uh, well, see, yeah, he's he's already he's with us right here. You can call me Nelly. People talk a lot worse. <laughs> and. Um, no, you know, I'm the first generation that's not military. And that was my plan the entire time was to play, was to, was to go into the military. I was going to the Air Force Academy. Uh, Dad was in the Navy. 
I want to go to the Air Force. I don't know why. I guess I had an infatuation with planes or going fast or something. I don't know what it was. But um, I was going to the academy in Colorado Springs and um, had an academic scholarship. Ended up failing the physical. Oh, my I senior, My senior year. And because um, when, when I was 12, I had a, a wreck on a motorcycle and cut off my left big toe and part of my foot. And uh, they wouldn't take me. So I had no idea what I was going to do. And a high school coach of mine took me to a tryout camp. And three and a half years later, I was in the big leagues. So did the landing on your left foot year after year, 22 seasons, cause you any more grief than, than, than the accident in and of itself? I mean, that's a pretty... Uh, I, I got no idea. <laughs> I never had. I don't, I don't remember having one. So Yeah, that's so funny. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't really tell you. No, the, you know, the, at the time, the doctors told told my mom and dad that I'd I'd have trouble walking and I'd have balance problems. And three months later, I made the eighth grade basketball team as a seventh grader. So I don't think it affected me that much. When you got drafted by the Phils, like in the tenth round, what uh, where were you in school at that point? So I was a senior in high school. Okay. So I, just, I actually I just graduated. No, seventeen from. from uh... Cleveland, Tark Tark Cleveland, Tarkington High School, between Cleveland and Dayton, Texas, yeah. out in the middle of the piney woods of East Texas. So Cleveland, Texas, is is that near Tyler? Uh, it's a, probably about fifty miles south of it. Okay, all right. Little, little, maybe a little, no, actually a little further, a little further than that. It's a little further, further than that. Well, you didn't have any interest in going to. University of Texas to play baseball or TCU or some of the other powerhouses, a and I had, I had interest in going, going anywhere I could. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize I could throw the ball like I could th throw the ball. And, uh, you know, I, I, I felt blessed the, fa the fact that I was going to be able to play junior college ball in Seminole, Oklahoma, because of going to that tryout camp. I, I never I – never, being drafted by the Phillies never even crossed my mind until I got a call. <laughs> so what, tell me about the tryout camp. That's pretty cool. Okay. Well, um, I graduated, uh, I think it was last weekend of May and I graduated on a Friday and, uh, Friday evening. And when everything was said and done, I uh, got back to the house about nine thirty, ten o'clock. Uh, my high school coach, Rick Lynch picked me up at around 11, 11, 15. We went back to his apartment, got his stuff, and got out of there about 1230, somewhere in that neighborhood, and headed to Arlington, Texas. Pulled into Arlington about 5 o'clock in the morning, and the camp started at 7. Nice. And, uh, and uh, my, school coach, my school coach went to Doug Gassaway, who was, who was running the camp, him and uh, Rudy Tarasas, and asked, asked Gaspipe, he said, uh, can Jason come back tomorrow? And Doug said, "Yeah, we don't. I don't. I don't mind if you don't mind him facing some of the guys. We want to take a second look at." And you know, Rick said, "No, we just need some sleep." So we went went and uh, went to the hotel, took it easy, and got up the next morning, and uh, and went out there. And you know, you do your stretching, and we're all in the line throwing the outfield. And I think I was second up out of the out of the bullpen. So I get my long toss done, and I walk down to the bullpen, and there's a the University of Texas at Arlington's where it was. There's there uh, one of their starting I guess it was their starting catcher it was in the bullpen. And I walked in and I Jamie you gotta remember I was probably six foot tall, weighed about 155 pounds, had braces. I looked like I was twelve. And uh, he looked he looked at me and said, What are you doing? 
said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going out there to, to face hitters. And he, he sort of smirked and looked at me and went, oh, okay, whatever. And went down there and we played catch a little bit. And he said, you ready? I went, yeah. So he got down and he, he just held his glove up real lazy. And I turned the first one loose and it went right by his ear and all, he didn't even put a glove on it. And he started laughing. <laughs> and he picked it up and laughing the whole time. So we're walking out there and he says, dude, I tell you, good luck, but you don't need it. But he threw an next in, 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 in between. And uh, I get on the mound and uh, there's, there's a bunch of junior college coaches, college coaches, and Doug Gasway behind the turtle on the field. And uh, Gasway hollers out. He said, what's your name? And I said, Jason Grimsley. And everybody was looking, then everybody wasn't looking. You know, they went back to doing what they're doing, wasn't paying attention. Well, I picked my leg up and threw the first one in there to get loose out there on the mound. And I turned it loose, and when it hit the glove, it sounded like a gun went off. Wow. And everybody's head snapped up, and Doug Gasway leaned over the cage and talked to the catcher. Now, the catcher took his mask off, and he's still laughing. And he threw the ball back, and I get the ball, and I get back on the mound, look up, and there's about 10, gun, 10 radar guns pointed at me. Yeah, nice. So I, so I throw the next pitch, and before the catcher got it, Doug Gassaway is walking out from behind the turtle and goes, whoa, 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 wait, so where in the hell have you been? <laughs> and I said, Tarkington Prairie? He went. So he came and stood behind me and asked me to do this, do that. And um, that was uh, the end of, end of May. And I was drafted on June the 6th, and I was in Bend, Oregon on June the 12th. So I went from not knowing what I was, what I was going to do, going to a tryout camp, and from that trial camp, being able to go to Seminole Junior College, play for Lloyd Simmons. Yeah. And um, six of one, half a dozen of the other. So I thought that was great. I was going to play college ball. I was, I was the happiest kid on the planet. And then uh, get to get drafted. And Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and, and the, the cool thing about being drafted, you know, after I got drafted, I got a, I got a Western Union telegram in the, in the mail saying, <laughs> saying I've been drafted. <laughs> That's how, got a, that's how I found out. Then I got a phone call, and uh, Doug Gassaway and Rudy Tarasas came to the house, and uh, you know they walked. They walked in the house, and my grandmother, both my grandmothers and my mom, were just absolutely against me. I'd never been on an airplane, <laughs> never been away from home. They were just dead set against me getting on an airplane and going to Bend, Oregon, which was East Texas to the mountains in Oregon. You know that's pretty good haul, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, she both, but like I said, my my grandmother, grandfather, my both my grandmothers, my mom were just they were just shaking their heads. No, you're not doing it. And you know, and and funny thing is, my dad gave me one of the best pieces of advice any human being has ever given another. And in that in that moment, he looked at me and said, "Son, 17 years, I've clothed you, I fed you, put a roof over your head." He said, "And in those 17 years, I hope I've instilled in you the values that you need to make a decision that you got to make right now." He said, "I can't make it for you." Your mom can't make it. Your grandmothers can't make it. These scouts can't make it. Your brother can't make it. He said, son, what do you want to do? I said, dad, I'm going to go play ball. He said, well, go play ball. So you got a chance to do something nobody around here has ever had a chance to do. He said, if it don't work out, you know how to work. Come on back home and go back to school, do whatever you want to do. But you got an opportunity to do something pretty special here. Great advice from the Navy, man. Yeah, yeah it was. So do you remember so, what uh, your signing bonus was? Uh, yep, $12,500. That's pretty good money for, what, 1985? 1985. Wow, that's not too bad. And then 
you know, having represented a ton of minor league players, I figure you're getting 600 a month maybe on a good day. Oh, no, I was, I was, I was way up there. We were making 700 a month then, by then. You had a good age. I, I was getting $248 every two weeks. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I, when uh, Nellie and I had a sports representation business, I had probably 20 guys from uh, the White Sox organization mostly. But, I mean, Karkovice, Kenny Williams, John Cangelosi, guys that played when you played, and um, a guy named Al Jones who had a brief but good career and got hurt. And these guys would just all dump my butt when they got to the major leagues. I didn't take it personally because, you know, Tim Raines would put their, his arm around the White Sox guy and say, hey, man, who's your agent? It was just a tough deal. But uh, did you – how many agents did you have, if you can count that high? I had one. God love you. 1987, Joe Bick. Uh, I, still, I still talk to Joe. He's in Cincinnati, Ohio, Pro Star Management. Okay. I still talk, I still talk to Joe. Was that Griffey's guys? At least once a month. No, no. No, he had Paul O'Neill, Terry Mulholland, um, Jeff Shaw, a few other guys. Yeah, good. Well, good for you because – I ran into Cangelosi, and he, he said, you know, I probably had 15 agents after, uh, after you. And I go, well, you know, that's your problem. Not, not. <laughs> but good yeah. for you, girl. That's loyalty, man. Well, Joe, Joe's, Joe's not my agent. Joe's more like my second dad. That's, yeah. that's how much I think about him. Yeah. Well, how long did you uh, go through the minor leagues before you got a, maybe a cup of coffee or more in the majors? Uh, I was drafted in 85. I uh, went to rookie ball, and then I got to the big leagues in September of 89. So just about three and a half years, three and a half seasons. Yeah, no, that's a pretty that's pretty quick. And were you, you were starting back then, and you had yep. uh, you obviously had a, a pretty pretty good uh, velocity on your fastball. Yeah, I was yeah, I was I, but I was in the wrong spot. I should have been in the bullpen the whole time. <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have the attention span to pitch once every five days. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, the um, the times that I remember you obviously was in '95 with Cleveland, and then when you were with the Royals for four, three or four years, and maybe a couple different stints. But uh, the Indians team had to be a, one of your favorites, I would I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was that was a lot of fun. You know, the the the, the guys I got to play with. Geez, you know, Dave Winfield, Eddie Murray, Earl Hershiser, uh, Jack Morris. Sandy Alomar Jr., Omar Vizcal, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey, Paul Sorrento, Tony Pena, Sandy Alomar Jr., uh, Kenny Lofton, Albert Bell, you know, Eric, yeah. Eric, Eric Plunk. Yeah, just the, 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 the talent and the, just the, the guys that were there was just – it was – Well, the pitching staff, Mesa was obviously in the bullpen at that point. Uh, you know what? Yes, that was uh, – I think it, 95 was when he went to the bullpen. Yeah, and Nagy 94. was on that team. Excuse me? Yeah, Charles, Charles Nagy. Nagy, one of the greatest guys on the planet. Really? Yeah, just, just nice guy. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. He seemed like a good guy. I remember the – I was at the Game 7 of the 97 World Series, and uh, mm-hmm. the poor guy, you know, he was pitching on fumes and gave up that unfortunate hit to, lose, to end the World Series. I don't want to say he lost it, but yep. – you know, at the end of the year, you're doing whatever you're you're doing. Oh, yeah, whatever whatever you got to do to patch one through. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you got two rings with the Yankees. Tell me about that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, that was that was, you know, that was a, that was a 
the way the way I got to New York was 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 rather interesting. How so, that uh, happened? So uh, ninety, I spent the entire year ninety seven, well, two years, ninety seven, ninety eight in the minor leagues. Uh, ninety seven is a year I just more or less like to forget. Um, but uh, ninety eight, I went back to spring training with the Indians, uh, and. I was I was probably the twelfth guy on an eleven man staff. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And the only reason the only reason I I went was because Bud Black fought for me. He 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 wanted me, and they put me in a bullpen, and I'd never thrown out a bullpen before. A few times, you know, not very well. And um, Bud start Bud Black started working with me and started you know teaching me how to get ready. And he said, Jason, you're you're gonna be a one pitch pitcher <laughs> basically. He said, go out there and just Throw your fastball, let it work. You know, it moves all over the place. No strikes, and they're going to have a tough time hitting it. You ain't got to worry about painting the corner. You ain't got to worry about it. Just turn it loose. Yeah. And um, two, months later, two months later, I ended up, end up closing. Wow. So, and um, so uh, winter rolls around, and I get a call on the phone from Billy Connors with the Yankees. And he said, Jason, you might not know me or not, but I saw you pitch this last year against Columbus. And, uh, and and followed you a few times and said, if uh, if you throw the ball like you threw it last year, I'm not going to say you're going to make the team out of spring training, but you're going to help us at some point during the year. He said, would you want to come come to the Yankees? And I said, well, well, yeah, I'd love to. I said, but, you know, I got, got, a, I got a bit of a problem. I got, I got to go to work. I'm basically broke. And I said, I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd, I'd love to go, but, you know, is there, is there any way you guys can – you know, give me a, like a $20,000 sign of bonus to get me through the winter. Cause if not, I got to work and I'm probably not going to be in shape, but I'd really like to come in there ready to go. And he said, let me call you back. And he called me back. He said, he said, yep, you make the team. We'll just take it out of your salary. And if, if you, if you're in triple a, we'll, we'll just take it out of your salary. And if you don't make the team triple a, it's yours. <laughs> okay. That's not like a deal to me. So that, I got ready. I got ready early. That's, that's a great, that's a great Yankee story. Yeah, so I got, I got, I got. They wanted us to be down there about uh, about a week early before anybody else showed up. All the non-roster invitees, the guys that they they saw helping the team sometime during the year. Right. And when I got there, I was ready to go. I'm talking. I was, I was game ready. And um, remember, we were throwing our first bullpen, and there was some young young kid catching me. I don't. Know, I, I, I wish I could remember his name, and I can't. And I'm down there. And I'm throwing four seam fastballs. And I'm probably throwing low to mid nineties. You know, I'm, I'm turning it loose already. And I'm telling sinker, two seamer, and I throw it, and it goes right between his legs. Yeah. And he just shakes his head and he throws it back. And I say sinker, I throw it again, and he misses it again. I throw it a third time, and it it hits the heel of his glove and goes back and hits the fence again, and little. Off the side, Billy Connors was a couple people down. He said, hey, Graham, that's a good split. And the catcher said, it ain't no effing split. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy said, what? He said, it's his fastball. Well, Billy came down there. He said, throw it again. So I threw it again. He said, throw it again. I threw it again. He, he turned me around. He said, you're not throwing a curveball. You're not throwing a four-seam fastball. You're not throwing a changeup. You're throwing that every pitch. You got it? I said, yes, sir, I got it. So that was – then had a great spring training. That's how I ended up making it. The team oh, I spring training having a really good year. 
And of course, Billy Connors at that time was a pitching coach for the Yankees and had been for quite a while. Uh, uh, Mel, Mel Stoudemire was pitching coach. Billy was one of the special assistants to George Steinbrenner and, and helped with the pitching in the minor in the minor leagues and the big leagues. Yeah. All right, he's a great great guy. You know, the Yankees don't get credit for those kind of stories. They really don't. And uh, you know, I, I think the way they negotiated the twenty thousand uh, dollar advance is uh, that's a great story. Yeah, there you go. They that, that's a great organization. Builds a little loyalty, huh? Great, great organization. Yep. There's, there's nothing no. I can say about about that place or that organization or, or uh, Mr. Steinbrenner or Joe Torre or Mel Stoudemire. You know, those are just, just Billy Connors. Just great, just great people. Yeah, and you were on the Yankees for two years. Two years, ninety nine, two thousand. And two, uh, both years playoffs, right? Both years World Series. Yeah, and uh, two rings to go with that great career. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Your, what was uh, your fastball? What the velocity back then? What were you hitting? Uh, with the Yankees, I was probably 91 to 94, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 95 every once in a while. Yeah. But it, it moved all over the place. And then uh, 2001, the uh, uh, Yankees let me go. My arm was bothering me at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, my elbows swole up. I threw quite a few innings out of the bullpen that year and the year before. And they didn't think my arm was going to hold up. And I uh, ended up going to see Dr. Andrews. And he pulled, I think, seven bone chips out of my elbow. And there's a bunch of pitting. So he cleaned that up. And he, he told me that my that uh, I had torn my only collateral lig- ligament before. But it had healed. It had recalcified. It, yeah. And uh, it wasn't <laughs> – he said, you want me to fix it? I said, no. I said, if it's, he said, well, I've just been holding up. It ain't no sense fixing nothing. <laughs> So I, I go to spring training with Kansas City, and I got to meet Albert Baird, who's assistant. I think he's assistant GM now with Boston, still one of my favorite guys in baseball. You know, love Allard. And um, going to spring training, and, and you know, I, had a, I was a non-roster invitee. And the first guy I met was, when I got there, was a pitch coach, Brett Strom. And he was my pitching coach in 92 with the Astros in AAA. And and Brett Brett told me he said Jason I I I need to apologize to you. I said what for? He said I taught you wrong the whole time. He said what I was teaching was bass backwards basically. And we sat down we talked about it and he showed me some videos some guys and um, I guess the the cameras they had in two thousand and one were a lot better than they had in ninety two. Right. And he showed me in slow motion what I was doing and what the guys that did it really well the through hard were doing. And we made that simple change, and it took me about four or five days to to feel comfortable with it. And I went from throwing 91 to 94 to hit 102 that year. Wow. So what was the simple solution, if there is such a thing? Uh, well, well, I, well, my front I, – I, I, I wasn't going to my front side. Yeah. My, my front shoulder and my elbow and everything was going away from the plate while I was throwing. Right. Instead of sticking it out there in front of me and it becoming an anchor and everything going to it, my chest going to the plate, I was just basically rotating the whole time. It sounds like a golf swing, you know, keep your shoulder in. Basically, <laughs> which, which yeah. as, as many times they tell me what to do, I, I, I wish I could pick my, make my golf swing, pick it up in six days, like I could pick that up in six days, but it just doesn't work that way. Well, let me tell you, for all you listeners out there, Jason can flat out play, play golf. You uh, 
I know you're playing now. I'm not sure where. Are you at the Woodlands or where are you playing? I'm playing a little, playing a little bit everywhere, all over, all over the area. Yeah? You um, got a plus one, plus two, plus three? Uh, you can add a couple more pluses to that, but on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, a funny story, uh, and you probably don't remember it, but when you guys were with the Indians, Nellie goes, uh, hey, we're going to play golf with a couple guys. So we get in my rented Ford Taurus or something. And we head over to the uh, Marriott golf course in Orlando. And uh, I know that Albert pulls up in a Ferrari or a Lamb. I mean, it was a pretty nice uh, set of wheels. And uh, you claim you're in a, a pickup truck. I don't know. But I've, I've always, I, always had a truck. <laughs> we would we get to the first tee. And back then, you were hitting a lot of tee shots with a one iron, which I had never seen anybody do in my life. That is correct. Yep, I like that one. <laughs> My God, you just blistered it. And uh, I think Nellie and I had to cheat in order to get some money. <laughs> it wasn't a lot of money. But uh, I'll never forget that because what's – and I've, you, we belong to the same country club in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, I tell people – and, and every, you know, most of the guys have played golf with you at one point or another when you were living in Kansas City. But, I mean, that one iron, dude, you could just drive it. Long, yeah, I, 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 it was it was a, it was a Titleist DCI one iron. I'll never forget it. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I, I I think I think my dad took it and hid it from me. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know because it, <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. But I wish I, I wish I could find that thing. Yeah, tell me what it was. What was it like to play with the the all those guys in Cleveland? I mean, it's a star-studded all-star lineup, and so for you know, all the home games, all the road trips. I mean, give us a flavor of what in the world it was like because that was swinging with the big boys. Yeah, well, well, at home it was, you know, they had, the, they had the, the consecutive sellout for I don't know how many years years they did that. But, you know, 94 was was the new the new stadium. We went from playing in the municipal stadium, the mistake by the lake, to <laughs> Jacobs, right. to Jacobs yeah. Field. And, you know, the atmosphere, the, the two differences, other than 93, the last series, the last home series, there was 71,000. They set a record for a three-game series, 221,000 people in three days, which it was, it was amazing. But the only, the only thing that we had going for us was Albert was in line for the RBI title and Frank Thomas right there with him. And I think – Mike Hargrove told the pitchers if anybody threw Frank Thomas a strike, they were getting fined. So Frank Thomas didn't get pitched. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! That's and, hilarious. Uh, you know, the, the, you, know you, you walk you walk into spring training. Like I said, you got Dave Winfield, Eddie Murray, Oral Hershiser, uh Jack Morris, Dennis Martinez. Good Lord, you know you, you just think right. you just think think about the just the, the talent and the knowledge that was in there. I would sit and talk to those guys just all the time. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a blessing and an honor to be able to sit, sit in the same room with those guys, but you know, much less wear, you know, wear the same uniform. It's just awe-inspiring. Road trips had to be something else. Nah, they were something else. Yeah. You call it that. Yep. There's, there's a little bit of craziness. What year did you meet Nelly? I met Nelly in 1993. 93. I remember yep. going to, uh, wasn't the last series, but I can remember a sign at Municipal Stadium that said, you know, 71,000 season tickets available for next year. <laughs> when I went, the place was just like, you know, huge. And it seems like I, I entered, I, 
I remember coming in through the a gate in center field. So I'm like a gazillion miles from home plate when I get in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I'm going, Nelly, what kind of tickets you leave for me, buddy? <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to go up on the roof there? Oh, my God, no, no. Oh, it was, it was awesome, dude. Oh, go up there and you'd sit sit over the edge and look out over the lake. Oh, I was. Let me ask you, was that an authorized trip or did you sneak I'm, around? I'm going to guess no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to guess. Uh, from of, course, your... I, of course, Jamie, I have made a few unauthorized trips into places, as, as you will. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was, I was kind of laughing when you said you forged the birth certificate to get in a little league. I don't want to say that was a trend that was developing. Uh, you're famous yeah, was, for, some, for some interesting I was, times. I was always a rebel without a clue, I guess. <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the one thing that seems funny to me and not all that controversial, and I told you, you know, I'd dance around controversy, and you said, bring it on. But like I said, I ain't Stephen A. Smith. Uh, the Albert Bell uh, incident, and here's why, for one reason, it's interesting to me. I've got about four Albert Bell bats that Nellie would get from time to time. I don't know if Albert gave them to him or if Nellie just happened <laughs> to kind of borrow them for me. And I'm dying to – I've never x-rayed it, but I'm dying to see if, uh, <laughs> if anything – Well, you, you got about – there's about a 90% chance that it's, it's cork. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cork, right? <laughs> oh, my God. How did you happen to – you want to talk about that at all? Sure, yeah. We were, I think it was, it was, it was June or July, probably July. And uh, we're, in, we're in Chicago. And I think we're a half game behind the White Sox at the time. Is this the new ballpark or the old ballpark? Uh, it's the new ballpark. Okay. Yep. In, in Comiskey. And um, I always get the ballpark a little bit early. And I don't know why, but that day I was just a little bit later than normal getting in. And uh, I think my wife, I think my wife might have been there with. Yeah, I think she might have been. I can't. I can't remember. Anyway, oh no, it was I had lunch with my high school baseball coach. He had some friends there, and uh, so I had lunch. So I was, I was just a little later than normally at the ballpark. Well, I come in, I get out of a cab, and behind me the the umpires get out of a cab. Right. And I'm just I'm just shooting shooting a breeze with them, talking to them, and we're walking in, and we. We walk through the, the entrance there, and we end up behind home plate. And I'm still talking to one of them, and I notice that their their room is is on our side of the the gap behind home plate. First I didn't think, yeah, First I didn't think I didn't think anything about it. And uh, so we go in there, we go through bat practice and all that stuff. And I'm sitting next to Buddy Bell on the bench doing the doing the chart. And uh, Albert comes up, and I think it was. Can't remember who that was it Hirschbeck or uh, shoot, dang it, I can't believe I can't remember who it was. No, home plate umpire. Anyway, they count. They confiscated Albert's bat, and I looked over, and Mike Hargrove's got his hands in his hand, his, his you know his head in his hands, and I look over at Buddy. I said, Buddy, what's wrong, Grover? And he says, He says we're screwed. I said, What do you mean? He said, Nah, well, match court. And I went, really? He said, yep. I looked at him. I said, um, buddy, I, I think I can get that bat. He said, what? I said, yeah, I think I can get it. He said, hold on. I'll be right back. <laughs>
So he went down there and he talked to Mike Hargrove. Mike Hargrove looked down there and gave me the thumbs up. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. And I good, and good old off, Grover. Off, off I went. So I went. I went in the clubhouse and you know I got a <laughs> t- <laughs> took my uniform top off, my jacket off, put on a t-shirt, put on my, you know tennis shoes, grabbed a grabbed a sanitary, got an old bat or a, a new bat, and put some pine tar on it and some rosin and. Put it in the sanitary, got a flashlight, and uh, asked the clubhouse guy to give me a flashlight. I said, hey, dude, I need a flashlight, and I don't you to ask any questions. He said, you got it. <laughs> oh, Gabe Kapler. Never uh-huh. forget him. Get another great guy. And uh, so off I went, and uh, I'm making my way over there, and I'm crawling over electrical lines. I'm crawling over fittings. I'm cra- cla- climbing over air conditioning vents and ducts. And no telling what's hanging down. And uh, uh, dog don't worry about that. People say the shows are dogs too. Hey, there we go. You're you're like <laughs> six three. You weren't a small guy at that point. No, I'm probably six three, right at two hundred pounds. Yeah. One night. Are you crawling through the duck work at Comiskey or? No, I'm crawling. There's there, there, it was all cinder block walls, and they're they're about probably. 10 inches wide, 10, 12 inches wide. And I'm just scooting along on my, using my, on my stomach, my knees and my elbows and my hands, carrying a bat with a flashlight in my mouth. <laughs> and the flashlight came from Kapler? Gabe Kapler. What was it? What was his... No, the Gabe Cap, not Gabe Cap, Gabe Kaplan, the clubhouse okay. guy. I was going to say, Kaplan, that. I guess... he came a long ways from, <laughs> from a locker room attendant. No, 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 no. And, um, I'm listening to you. So I so I, I get to where I think the umpire's room is. Now I'm not granted. I've gone over, around, through. I got down to where the, you can see the the cement from the stands coming up, and it's getting pretty tight down there yeah. for me to get in. And um, I lift a tile up and I look down, and there's a there's a guy in a ground crew uniform sitting on a couch. <laughs> and he looks up at me. And I make we make eye contact, and all I do is put my finger on my lips and go shh. And he goes, and he gives me the okay sign. <laughs> Dude never said a word to anybody about nothing. That's so funny. And so I put the tile back down, and I, I, your heart's beating a thousand miles a minute. And I'd I'd gone one one room. I was one room too too far towards the away from the field. So I went down one more room, lifted up, saw I was umpire's room. Picked up a tile over the fridge, dropped in, went down there, replaced the bat with another one, crawled out, left probably left a little bit of insulation <laughs> on the top of the fridge. And I was going to clean it off, but about the time I get up there, the, the door starts opening. So all I, all I can do is set the tile down and just sit there and not breathe for about 10 minutes while there, I guess the, the, the umpire's clubhouse guy was in there doing something. Yeah. And I'm 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 basically looking at him. I I dang near see him through the towel. And finally he leaves and I get the heck out of there. So but it took about four and a half innings to get over there and get back. Well, I, I take it you didn't pitch that day. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no pitching that day. I was actually a starting pitcher there. So funny thing, the next day we're out on the field and um I'm out there, we're taking bad practice, and Mike Lavalier. Nickname was Spanky. Started on the left field line, 
and he would take one step sideways and stop. And he did it all the way to me, never looked at me. And he got right next to him and he said, hey, dude, I heard you had a Mission Impossible last night. <laughs> and I went, yeah, he said, that, that was awesome. And he just shuffled all the way back to where he was. Well, did Albert have any idea what you were doing before you did it? No, no. Nobody did, I don't guess. Other than Hargrove? Grover knew. That's about it. What did, uh, when did Albert find out? And did he find out from you? No, he didn't find out from me. I guess he found out, um, well, well, after I did it, everybody on the team knew who did it. There's no doubt about it. You know, everybody, that, went, that spread like wildfire. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, I thought I was going to get in a lot of trouble. So I think the next week I had to go to New York to see Bud Seeley. And um, our, our GM, John Harden, ended up squealing on me. And um, so go go in there, and I got Donald Fear and Michael Weiner with me, our, our, our union reps. And uh, they say, Jason, I don't know. What, we don't know what's going to happen. So I go in there, and I sit down, and Bud Seeley comes in, and he's, he's, he looks at me, and he goes, Jason, I'm not going to find you. I'm not going to suspend you. He said, I just want you to tell me the story. So I started telling the story, and he's laughing. He said, good God, son, you must be a hell of a teammate. And I went, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. He yeah. said, all right. He said, do me, he said, do me a favor. Just don't, don't say nothing to nobody, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just keep this quiet. I said, you got it. So for years, you know, there was all kinds of people. Who, they assumed, you know, it was Tony Pena's son. He said a grown, a grown man couldn't get back there. <laughs> all, the, all this different stuff. And um, – when did uh, I think it finally it was nine, uh, nineteen, I think in nineteen ninety nine, I was in uh, I was in spring training with the Yankees, and uh, Buster Ongley came to me, and uh, Buster said, um, "said Jason, I got a question for you." I said, "All right, Buster, what's that?" He said, um, "Could you get a message to the to the guy that that uh, took Albert's bell, Albert Bell's bat out of the umpire's room?" That uh, if I got permission for Bud Seeley to tell the story, do you think you'd tell me the story? I said, "Well, Buster, I don't know, but I'll ask him." He said, "All right." So the next day I came back and he said, "He said, Jason, I talked to Bud Seeley." He said, "Okay." I said, "Well, I talked to the guy," and he says, "Okay, too." Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so I, I told Buster, you know, and there was there was only one there's one thing I didn't the only the only thing I, I told him was I said, "Look, I don't." I don't want to come out during spring training. I said, I don't want any, I just, I'm here to make the team. I don't want any distractions from anything like that. I said, if you can just wait till the, you know, just wait till the first of the first of the year, first of open, open the day or, or later. And uh, then, then he then get after it. He said, you got it. Wow. That's pretty good. And, you know, I've got a special place in my heart. Selig, uh, I don't, you weren't, with the Royals, this was before your time, but when Kaufman uh, found out he was sick, he tried to sell the team, and, and the first attempt ended up really with a, fraud, a, a guy that was a fraud, and right. he ended up um, suing Kaufman and Avron Fogelman, and we ended up defending them, and Selig was one of my witnesses, and to this day, um, you know, a lot of people have different opinions of, of Bud, but he was as good a witness as I've ever seen. You couldn't cross-examine him because, no. you know, he's, he's sharp. wily. He'd go, he was sharp. 
Yeah. And but he comes across like, you know, the car salesman. Well, you know, in order to answer no. that. No, but 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 Zealand was an extremely extremely intelligent, sharp, sharp man. No, there's no doubt about it. You know, all the all the union meetings we had. You know, I was a I was a player rep, and I was on the pension committee for for a few years. He was, went through the negotiations a couple of times for for the uh, player contract and the, the collective bargaining agreement. And uh, no, but it was but it was sharp. Yeah, how'd you like your stint? You can lie if you want to make me feel good with the Royals. I loved it. I was probably, I was probably we, we ended up living there. Made it my home and uh, raised my kids early in their, li- early in their lives there. L- absolutely loved Old Park, loved Kansas City, loved uh, the place, the people, the fans. It is just one of my favorite places. Was Baird the GM the whole time you were there? or did He was. Yep. yep. And maybe at that time, were they being run by that committee that was before David Glass? Or did Glass? Uh, no, David Glass was there. Okay. Yeah. And who was the manager during the time you were there? Uh, Tony Muser and then Tony Pena. Okay. Now, the interesting thing with Pena in 1995 and your time with the Cleveland Indians, we had, I had gone to that first playoff game in 95, and it rained and rained and rained. And I hung out as long as I could, but I had like a 6 o'clock flight the next day back to Kansas City. So I'm at the Marriott across the street when all fireworks start going off. And Pena, I think it was Pena, Hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the tenth or the bottom of the eleventh right. to win that playoff game. So, uh, but he was a good manager, I thought. I yeah, yeah. loved. I love you know. Loved throwing to him. Loved playing for him. Yeah, he's Tony. Tony's Tony. And uh, that was a pretty. That was a, a good team. And you got a lot of pub in terms of the. Uh, there was a lot of labor unrest, I think, during your time. Yeah, there was. Uh, Tell me about that. How? Who was the? Uh, now I know that Fear was running the. Uh, Donald Fear, Michael Weiner. Yeah. Those those were our two guys. Yeah. And both really good guys, and both very astute yeah. guys, and. Uh, yeah, very good guys. You know, you got the the the, the uh, commissioner now was one of the lawyers for uh, for the union for Sealy. Oh. Okay. The, and. Uh, you know, it was Manfred. You know, you, you go in there and you you listen to the to how you guys are. You know, the usual stuff. You're overpaid. You're, it's game's not going to support it. Uh, you know, it was just it was just a, a lot of a lot of things that you know you don't expect to hear when you go into these things. And uh, you know, sort of like arbitration. You know, you don't expect a team that you're playing for to tell you how bad you are. Right. When they're trying to sign you to a contract, <laughs> you know? tell me how you ended up being the player rep. I got barely voted on it. I don't know yeah. why in the hell he picked me, but they did. <laughs> how active? How active in the in the various? Forever, we were. We, you were very very active. You know, you went to your, all 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 the meetings, all the you know, anytime anybody got together, all the negotiations, pretty much was there. And like I said, that was a pretty hot time of. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was very. It was it was, cont- it was contested, you know. It was actually '94. They cut the season short. Right. You know, and then um, then again in 2002, it, it came pretty close to to it happening again. 2003. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty contentious, so to speak. You know, with with that spectacular. You know, background they had. Where do you see the uh, 
labor situation going in a year when the uh, contract's up for renewal and we've got no baseball going on now. And it's sort of, I, off you know, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, the way, the way things are going and um, there, there was one thing that, that I always really paid attention to was the guys that played before me. The reason that we had it as well as we did was because of the sacrifices they made. And, you know, I, and I wasn't going to be the one to give away what those guys had fought for, free agency, collective bargaining, uh, arbitration. You know, I, I was not – it wasn't going to happen on my watch unless – and I, you know, I voiced my opinion strongly. Because a lot of guys lost their careers. A lot of guys lost their their livelihood to, to stand up for, for something that they felt was right. And, you know, it, it brought – Everybody that's that's making the money they're making now owes it to every one of those guys. You know the Kurt Floods, the people that that took a stand and stayed and just held their ground. Yeah, Measure Schmidt, Flood, yeah, uh, on and on and on. Was there any split between guys that that were really really well paid and the rest of the of the Players Association, because I, I see that now a little bit with yeah. the, there there was there, there was a little a little bit, but not very much. Yeah, not not very much at all. What and, the, um, tell me. And, and and it was it was just it was just grumbling and just a little bit. Yeah, but the the bulk of the union anytime anybody did that, they just somebody just shut up basically. Well, you're, and you're, you're in it. You're in it just like we're in it. So suck it up. You know, you're you're in a perfect position to answer a couple questions that that have crept up in my brain over the Astros deal. Right. And one of the things that I think comes up during the uh, some of the outspoken uh, guys. Really, a lot of guys have been outspoken, whether they were on the Astros or not the Astros. And I'm wondering if they would have been as outspoken if somebody had gotten suspended. Um, you know, take, you know, the, the, the steal and the signs. You know, there's a guy on second base. Yeah, that's part of the game. If, you, if, you, if, if you're dumb enough to throw one sign down or have the same signs over and over, you deserve to have the hitter know what's coming. Right. But, um, they took it to, you a know, it, yeah, this, this took it, this took it to a little, 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 little different place. And, um, you know, every, everybody's trying to find something, an edge or, or whatever, but, but there's, there, I guess there's, there's, there's certain, there's certain things you just don't, don't, don't really do. Right. The, um, you know, and, 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 and you know what, and that that being said, it was it was an extremely young team, the Astros being being a young team, and there there wasn't really that that veteran presence. Yeah, there. Not like Carlos Beltran lent a good presence that that you know, but you know it's 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 a coach, and you know and the you know I love Carlos to death. He's one of great teammate, one of my favorite guys. You know, we all screw up. I'm pointing case for that. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let me ask you this. 
you know, the White Sox pitcher thought that he could hear drums banging or he kind of got, I can't even remember his name. He calls the catcher out and, and, you know, he's agitated. And I always wondered, you know, in your, your era, Bob Gibson's early win, you guys police the game yourself. I guarantee you police the game yourself. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, instead of throwing, uh, you know, brushing him back or throwing it maybe in, in his ribs. Or Rib gauge. Yeah. Um, the guy throws a slider away. And it's like, dude, you know, you, you caught these guys. You're the first guy to catch on. And the same thing with, you know, running into the catcher. I mean, how many times is McCann going to let the game get out of hand by cheating if he's getting run over every couple times at home plate? No, no that, was, that, that, that happened one time while, while we were playing, and then it was taken care of. Yeah. You know, if, if, if they wanted to come out to the mound or if they wanted to meet me after and go have a beer and talk about it, I, I was happy to do either or. You know, it didn't, it didn't matter. But that's just, that's just the way you played. You protected your players and your players – protected you you know you, you never went head hunting you always try to hit him in the ass or you know on the side and hopefully they get out of the way and it doesn't doesn't break anything or hurt him but you know that wasn't the point yeah when 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 somebody got hit you know if, now if, now if i was to give up a home run shame you know i'm not i'm not gonna hit the guy because he hit a home run I'm, I'm the one who gave up a damn home run right i accidentally hit edgar martinez one time and Ken Griffey Jr. just hit a home run before him, and I'm throwing a two-seam fastball that's running in the right and away, and I hit him, and the place went crazy. <laughs> you know, well, but, I, have, uh, I have a feeling no, you can take care of yourself on the mound. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind, but um, but you know, there's if 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 somebody did something stupid, or if somebody tried to hurt one of your teammates, right? Then then you tried to hurt one of them. That's just you, you just you 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 never. And it was always taken care of by your teammates. Yeah, you know, or yeah. or you just you just went to blows, or like like I said, you just you did it away from the ballpark, asking if they want to meet up somewhere, and you know, handle like a couple guys, a couple men wanted to, but uh, nobody nobody ever really took me up on that offer. Well, I can understand why. The uh, you know one of the things about our good friend uh, Nelly was, you know, he would support you no matter how much trouble you got in or whatever circumstances and and you know we're all human and we all we all make mistakes and uh you know i don't know if you uh, want to chat a little bit about the you know well publicized mistakes that you made with uh along with a lot of other people with the uh steroids or performance enhancing drugs we can get into that oh, sure that's no problem what uh what time period are we talking about? And, and uh, two thousand six. Yeah, I got, I got, I got, uh, I got in trouble for um, ACGH, human, human growth hormone. And you were with which team at that point? Arizona. And I take it that you know I can remember clubhouses with greenies and all sorts of weird stuff in them, which you know, good or bad. I mean, it existed there. And Nelly would say, this guy couldn't play back-to-back -back night games without – he wasn't talking about you – without <laughs> without some of the uh, stimulants. But how – and I'm not asking to get into uh, naming names, but how common a practice were, you know, from 
the creatine that, that uh, was publicized to uh, Mark McGuire and Bonds had his, his problems with that. But I, I'm, you know what, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know a, a number, but you know, as, as a baseball player, you're basically a piece of meat and you know it going in. You're just a racehorse. They pay you to race. And as soon as you can't race or as soon as you ain't racing up to their standards, they just didn't put a bullet in you as, as look at you, you know, and you know that. And so you're going to do whatever you have to do to be able to play the game that you grew up loving as a kid and you love just about as much as anything on this planet at any time, you know, and if there's anything that you can do to, to pro prolong that or take, take some of the pain away to make things not hurt so much, you did it. Yeah. And I know you weren't alone doing it. And I know that the Mitchell report came out and I know that uh, various law enforcement agencies had rumored to be, you know, involved with uh, investigations that were going on that you may or may not have been a part of. And, you know, oh, I, was, I, was, I was a part, I was a part of it. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I'm, I'm trying to throw you a, a softball here, buddy. What, uh, <laughs> what, what ultimately happened with all of that? Let's, let's wrap it. In a nice what, what ultimately happened? Nothing. Yeah. Other than, other than, um, you know, I, I didn't. I, I got, I got treated basically like a. <laughs> oh, geez, like a felon, like like a criminal. I know that. And I got, I got, I got roasted in the papers, and I think they ended up having to make retractions. And uh, you know, it went from the front page of the LA Times to the retraction being on the last page and at a real small, small piece about the things that were said. But, um, you know, you got, you know, the, FBI, the, the government shows up at your door and there's 15 cars, 20 people, all of them have their guns. You know, they, they tell you they're going to come in and, and, uh, zip tire handcuff everybody in the house and tear it apart or, you can go with them and talk to them. So, you know, you, you, you make a decision to try to protect your family. And then whatever happens in that meeting, whatever, whatever you say, doesn't mount for a hill of beans because all, all they're going to do is do everything they can to embarrass you because you didn't help them out. Right. So as a former criminal defense lawyer, I know the last thing in the world anybody wants to see is a FBI badge. And uh... Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> but, you know, it, the last thing I wanted was for my wife and my kids. Or, and at the time, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my niece were at the house. Right. And yeah, my wife was begging me to call, call my agent and my lawyer. And I looked at her. I said, honey, just trust me on this one, please. I... I'm, I'm going to go with them. If I, if, I, if I said anything to her, if I didn't go with them, they were going to embarrass the hell out of me right. and scare and scare them. And I, I just said, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'll, 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 I'll go take my beating right now. Just leave them out of it. And looking back at it, do you think that the way you handled it was a good way to go? Yep. I, would, I wouldn't change the thing. There's no way I would subject my family to that. You know, as a union rep, how were you, um, Accepted or not accepted by your brethren in the union, the other players. Oh, after afterwards, well, well, when, when everything happened, everything said and done. Uh, I told, I told 
I told the powers that be that they had two options. One, they could take me to jail, or two, they could take my job away. I said, I'm going to take one of those options off the table right now. I quit. I retire. I'm going home. I said, balls and yells, court, whatever you want to do, you can go, you're going to do. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear a wire and do what they wanted me to do. And um, so I took it to the house, and then I had to go to Washington, D.C., the grand jury. That was interesting. You know, that same grand jury that Palmero was at. and I guess. I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I get. Well, well, no, that wasn't. That wasn't. That was. That was a Senate. That was Senate subcommittee or something. No, this was a grand jury. There's no cameras in there. There's no. This is the grand jury. You know, you go in there by yourself, no lawyers. It's. No, I got the grand jury down pretty good. Yeah. What uh, did did you have to go to the Congress and testify, or was the grand no, jury? No, no, no grand jury. Yeah, grand jury is it. And did you have a lawyer that was with you in the building? I take it. I did. Ed, Ed Novak, great man, real good man. Good. And then uh, in terms of repercussions after you got out, besides I think there was some litigation over your contract at some point. That you no, there's no litigation. There couldn't be. I gave, I gave it all away. Yeah. But it's <laughs> right, 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 right when it all happened, I, I basically donated every bit of my salary to the church, uh, the, uh, the Diamondbacks Charities, and Garth Brooks Teammates for Kids. And it was – I think this happened in um, May. So I had June, July, and August and September still left to be paid. And I just, I didn't, I, hell, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be pitching. I wasn't going to be working. I, I wasn't my money. Yeah. Well, you put it behind you as best you could. And I know that since then, you know, you probably reflect on it a little bit, maybe a lot, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a credit to you to talk about it. I think that a lot of guys are still in denial over over that. Isn't that a isn't that a river in Egypt? What's that? Yeah, the, the denial. <laughs> Do you think that it still goes on in uh, Major League Baseball? I got no, I got no idea. <laughs> well, what you give me a guess? Come on. My guess is there's that much there's that much money out there to be yeah. made. Um, you and guys that get to that level. The athletes get to that level. Love, love competing at that level. You're you're going to do what you need to do to be able to play at that level. Yeah. And well, some of these guys you know, came back gets, from suspensions and made a lot of money. Yeah, they did. You know, and it, it is what it is. You know, I, I love the fact when you know Jesus says, "All right, first one of you guys is without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone." You know, you got a bunch of these you know, reporters and people, the holier than thou's, you know, that are out there that are so are so condemning and have, have never walked a mile in anybody's shoes other than their own, you know, and they, they have this in, in, inflated opinion of themselves. And, you know, it, it just every, – every man has his own story. Right. Every, every man has his own reasons. And until you know that reason or know that story – you know, you know, don't 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 throw a rock when you live in a glass house, right? You know, well, and if, if if you do want to throw a rock, I would be happy to have you throw it at me. Just make sure I can see you when you're doing it. You know, right. yeah, don't throw it from my behind. Exactly. Well, I mean, I I, I was going to say for 22 years in and out of the major leagues, in and out of minor leagues, from 
from Bend, Oregon to Omaha, Nebraska, and a lot of other places, I was going to say, you could probably write a pretty good book. And then you, when you and I <laughs> visited, you told me that's exactly what you're doing. And I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, we're in, the pro- in, in, the pro- in the process of doing it. And, and uh, no, I'm not, I'm not naming any names or say anything about anything like that. It's, it's basically just my story, uh, where I came from, um, how I got where I was. Some of the good decisions I made, some of the extremely bad decisions I made, some of the darkest places I've ever been in my mind, and um, the way back to hope and life. Well, I'm looking forward to to reading the whole book and maybe uh, maybe a few uh, uh, st- uh, mod- a few of the uh, copies before you actually get it published. I'd like to uh, I'd like to do that. But I've known you a long time. You are a great guy. You're a great friend of Nelly's, and you've been a loyal. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that dude. This yeah, day, in fact, in fact, every 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 time I play golf, I'm not going to kid. I I got it in there. It's it's it sits on my bathroom counter as my Nelly my Nelly badge. Well, and I know you called him Nine Hole Nelly for a good reason. <laughs> yeah, Nelly Nelly shoot three, four, five over. After after nine holes, and then it would just—he'd just fall off the planet after the ninth hole. <laughs> That's that is so uh, so true, and a, and a great guy, and and so are you. And thank you uh, so much for taking a little time out of your schedule and and doing a podcast with me. I have well, thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it, JB. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you you thinking about me and giving me a call. You know, it's 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 always the fun. You well, know, talk about the past a little bit of the glory days and you know anytime you get to reminisce about a, a man like like dave nelson you know that's and the fact that you were probably his best friend on the planet says a whole lot about you and who you are and what type of man you are and i just know, want you to appreciate everything that you've done for for him and his family and for me and my family and um, god bless you and thank well, you right back at you buddy i'm gonna put you on hold for just a second uh lighter side of baseball with jason grimsley it's been a fun hour for me. I know it's been a fun hour for for Jason, and I just love talking about Albert Bell because I want to. I want. I'd like to see Albert here down the road somewhere and uh, and chat with him too. But he's not the most chatty guy sometimes. Anyway, Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this off and get right back to you. <laughs>